0: Father in heaven, we thank you for, for this place and for this chance to be here in this place. Lord, we pray that uh, your spirit will come now and speak to us because we're finally today getting to what this chapter is actually all about. Help us to be able to receive this message. In Jesus' name, Amen. So it was an amazing Sabbath last week. If you were able to be here, it was an amazing time. And we did something we don't, we don't do all the time, but we were very intentional and, uh, and made an open appeal for people to respond last week. And it was a beautiful sight to see the uh, the lost sheep and the lost coins and the lost sons and daughters and people who love them come to the front and, and acknowledge the moving of the Spirit in their heart and their desire to be found. and and to be a part of the life of this place. And i got to ask you, I mean, it's rhetorical, but but just ask you, how do you feel when you see people responding to the Spirit of God working on their hearts? I ask you that because because if it thrills your heart, I want to tell you that's a really good sign. That's a really good sign. Sometimes it helps a little if they're strangers and you don't know the backstory, right? Sometimes it's a little harder when you have a few of the details. But here's the thing. People respond, and and, and folks responded and and responded to the Holy Spirit. But what happens now? One of the things I said specifically last Sabbath was the rest of this sermon, maybe you remember this, we're dedicating to… The lost sheep, the lost coins, and the lost sons and daughters, the prodigals. I said the rest of today is about them. And it's a good thing for us from time to time to to focus effort on the lost ones. But, But a question occurs to me, and that is, how much is enough? Because isn't the church primarily about the believers? Well, yes and no. One thing we can say for, for sure, the church is the believers. That's what the church is. Those who believe in their hearts and confess with their lips and with their lives that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's how you become the church. All those who make that confession, by doing so, become believers. They become the church. So it's easy enough to see that the church is the believers. But but does that mean the church is supposed to be primarily for the believers? There's a trap here. In truth, it's a double trap. Because if you say, yes, the church is exclusively for the believers, it's a dead end. But if you say, no, the church is not exclusively for the believers, that's a dead end too. In the end, what it really comes down to is this. What do believers believe is their purpose? Once you believe, what then? We're talking today about older brothers, and we start again with the first two verses of Luke 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, "'This man welcomes sinners and eats with them.'" One of the things I've been trying to remind you as we've gone along through this whole thing from the beginning, that what drives this entire chapter is the indignation of the righteous people that Jesus was spending time with sinners. Jesus' response to this indignation is three very profound parables Two of them are very simple in detail, but all of them are very loaded with implications. And we've gotten a lot of great mileage the last three weeks considering the nature of the lost ones in each of these stories. But as I have warned you from the beginning, these parables aren't actually about the lost ones. Or at least they're not primarily about that. Verse 3, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And we spent some time at the beginning of this series talking about the nature of a lost sheep. A lost sheep doesn't doesn't hate the flock, but they're careless. They wander off. And so we said to the lost sheep, you've got to figure out how to stop wandering off. You've got to remain with the flock. So you remember what we said? We said, get a fence. There you go. Get a fence in your life. If you've got a way that you keep wandering off, you better put a fence there or one day you're going to wander off and get eaten by the wolves. And that lesson resonated really well with us. But that's not actually the point of the story Jesus was telling. Verse 7 is the point. He says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Remember, this story was told to address the irritation of the righteous people because of what Jesus was doing. Then we went on to the lost coin, verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. We talked about how we're not so naturally offended by this story. We get this story. If I got ten $100 bills and one of them goes missing, I don't just say, Oh, well, I still got nine. No, I put the nine somewhere safe, and then I look until I find that tenth one. We understand the value of a coin, even if we don't understand the value of a lost sheep. But we talk to the lost coins, and we talk about the lost coins are lost in the house. In other words, they're here. They just have no clue what's going on. See, they think church is about talk and about appearances, and they don't realize that what is happening here is the outpouring of the Spirit of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's about power. It's about transformation. And so we said to the lost coins, get a clue. Because amazing things are happening all around you. And you don't even know. And again, it was a a lesson that resonated well with us. But I say to you, that's not actually the point of the story. Verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's a rare description in the Bible of what brings joy in heaven. But then came the most offending story of all, or at least that is what it would be if we truly were older brothers in this story. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, we made a couple points about prodigals. One of the things we said about prodigals is their issue is rebellion. And because rebellion is the issue, you can't go and get them. They're not like lost sheep who are just careless and foolish and wander off, you can go get them and you, you bring them back and you say, look, you've got to quit doing that, and you help them put up a fence. They're not like lost coins. You look around in the house and you see them and you say, hey, wake up, you're missing what's going on. No, prodigals are gone on purpose, and you just have to wait until life teaches them enough lessons that they come to their senses. We told the lost sons and the daughters last Sabbath, you need to get a life, or you need to get a life worth living. And again, it was a great lesson, and it resonated with us and in our hearts, and we even responded to an appeal. But again, I say to you, it's not the most important lesson. It's not actually what this story is even about. We continue, and we are about to read the most important part, the reason these three stories were told. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found so they began to celebrate now I just this idea of celebrating let's let's just leave this story for a second here we sang one of my favorite hymns uh, here at the beginning of the service rejoice ye pure in heart rejoice give thanks and sing this is a song of celebration one of the purposes Of a believer is to celebrate the goodness of God and the great things that happen in the kingdom of God. And if your experience as a believer is not filled with times of of emotive celebration, then maybe you're more of a lost coin than you realize. Because that song we sang is all about celebration. One of the things that believers are to celebrate is is what the Father is doing here. He's throwing a celebration because the lost one is home. But in order to be a part of the celebration, you have to be ready to welcome the lost one when they're home, but that's really hard for older brothers, which brings us finally, as we're finally here in the fourth week of this long sermon that's gone on for four Sabbaths, we're finally now to the actual point of Luke 15. The older brother is the point of the whole chapter. Luke 15, verse 25, Meanwhile the older brother was in the field. Well, of course he was in the field. Where else would he be? Right? Where else would the responsible, reliable, dependable, what would this farm be without me, older brother be on a working day than out in the field where older brothers are supposed to be? Right? He was exactly where he should have been. In fact, he was exactly where that no-good, well-squandering, immoral, rebellious younger brother should have also been the whole time. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And that moment... Was decision time, the moment when the older brother's heart was tested. But sadly, yet understandably, it was indignation, not mercy, that won the brother's heart that day. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Point number one what the older brother is saying is exactly correct. That is exactly what happened. And from any reasonable detached notion of fairness, what has happened in this story is nothing short of a travesty. Now, there's an interesting point here. I don't know if you noticed this. An interesting point that both the older and the younger brother agree on. It may be the only thing in their lives they agree on right now. They both agree that the younger brother is no longer worthy to be called the father's son. Don't they? Younger brother says, I will go back and I will say, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. The older brother is saying, you let him back, he's not worthy. And you know what? They're both correct. He isn't worthy. But there is something that neither the older brother nor the younger brother understand. And this is point number two. The Father's love was never something earned. It was always freely given to any son who would receive it. Verse 31, The older brother was never as invested in the younger brother as the father was. Hence, he had little joy when the younger brother came home. In truth, it seems he viewed his brother as more of a rival than a beloved family member, but then why wouldn't he, right? I mean, in order for the father to give the younger brother his share of the estate in some sort of liquid form, it probably caused a great disruption in the life of the farm that that older brother probably spent three years trying to get straightened out with extra work because of the trouble the younger brother caused. Why wouldn't he see him as a rival? Why wouldn't he still be angry? Yet notice the father's words, everything I have is yours. This is absolutely the truth, because the father had already given the younger son his inheritance, right? And he had squandered it, meaning that everything left belonged to the older brother. And the younger brother had no claim on anything anymore. So it all belonged to the older brother. But here's the question. What's he going to do with it? I'm going to leave that question hanging and take you back to Jesus and why he told these three stories. What did Jesus come to do? Well, you can answer that question a lot of different ways. But, but there's one very succinct saying that I think serves us very well for today, and that's in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And in the context of what we're talking about, that means the Son of Man was the good shepherd out looking for the one sheep. The Son of Man was the woman sweeping the house looking for the coin. And the Son of Man was the father sitting on the porch, longing for the day when the lost son would come home. But what about the righteous? Or should we better say, what about the self-righteous? There was another time in Scripture when the Pharisees were fussing at Jesus about His dinner associations, and it went like this, Matthew 9, verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." This saying is a great strain for the self-righteous, isn't it? For the older brothers. Because on the one hand, they definitely don't consider themselves sinners. But on the other hand, they're a little ticked off that Jesus isn't paying any attention to them, that they're not the most important thing Jesus is doing right now. And ironically, despite the fact that they stay home and faithfully work the Father's farm, their motives are so badly skewed that they fail to realize that the whole time the farm is actually theirs. And they never truly come to love the Father who's given it to them, nor long for the brother who went away. They consider themselves slaves. Okay, so what's the lesson for today? Well, there's, there's a couple. Number one, the farm belongs to you. Older brothers. I'm talking to the older brothers here. And there's, there's kind of different levels of older brotherness in different services here. This, this service, I think, has a, a pretty good older brother representation. Y'all are pretty good. You know that, don't you? Older brothers, the church belongs to you. And you are free to do with it whatever you want. The great irony of this story is the older brother complains to his dad, You never even gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And his dad's like, What are you talking about? All the goats are yours. Take whatever you want. Right? Why do I have to give you permission to use your stuff? He didn't have to ask. So it is with the church. The church belongs to the older brothers. Why do I say that? I say it for this reason. Number one, the lost sheep are too flighty and irresponsible to ever keep a church going. You can't build a church with lost sheep. They they wander off. They don't even come to worship. Older brothers, though, you can count on them. Can't build a church on lost coins. They're too clueless about what it's even for. They don't know. And the prodigals, well, they squandered their share of church when they stomped out mad. And while all the lost ones were off being lost, it was the older brothers who kept the doors open, right? It was the older brothers that kept the lights on. It was the older brothers, thank God for them, that kept the pastor paid. Right? And the older brothers who staffed the ministries, and and, and I say, it's yours, you can do with it what you want. Older brothers are the only ones that even go to board meeting. You can do whatever you want. Lost sheep aren't there. Lost coins may show up, but they don't say anything. Prodigals haven't been here in years. And just because they could, the older brothers funded construction of a new lobby and a children's wing. Thank God for older brothers. Forest Lake Church would be nowhere without its older brothers. So I say it again, and I make it real specific. Older brothers, Forest Lake Church belongs to you. Now the question, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to make it a comfy clubhouse for older brothers? Tempting. And after all, those others don't deserve it, right? Or are you going to use it as a headquarters for a lost sheep search party? Or maybe as an alarm clock for waking up lost coins? Or maybe this is the front porch from which we wait and watch for the return of the prodigals. What do you think would honor Jesus the most? Comfy clubhouse? Agency to seek and save the lost? Second lesson, at the beginning we ask the question, what do believers Believe their purposes. Once you're a believer, now what? Now understand, this is a different question than how do I become a believer. You become a believer when you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now you're a believer. Now what? What is my purpose now that I believe? Well here's what I've come to think. There's three main purposes for believers in my mind. The first is to continue to realize that without Jesus, you are lost. If you lose sight of that, you will become self-righteous. So you must always remember that. Second, your purpose is to be found and to stay found. Okay? This is particularly for you lost sheep. Okay? Get found and stay found. Stop wandering off. Stick around commit yourself to the life. And then third, to join Jesus in seeking and saving what is lost and celebrating when they come home. Three purposes. Continue to realize that without Jesus you're lost, be found and stay found, and join Jesus in seeking and saving the lost. And since the church is the body of believers, it follows quite easily that the purpose of the church is, number one, to keep us all focused on Jesus, number two, to help the found stay found, and number three, to join Jesus in seeking and saving the lost. That'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Therefore, everything we do should align with these purposes. So, older brothers, since the church essentially belongs to you, how are we doing? Now, I say we advisedly because I'm more of a lost sheep, but I'm, I'm depending on your mercy to let me pretend to be an older brother. I'm, a, I'm an older brother in training. How are we doing at keeping the focus on Jesus helping the found stay found, and seeking and saving the lost. And with this question, I'm afraid I must inform you that this four-week-long sermon has just become a five-week-long sermon because we don't have time to answer this today, but we will next Sabbath. Yet in order to get us started towards the answer. Let me suggest a passage we reflected on a couple years ago, a passage I would call absolutely an older brother passage. Now, we're going to come back to this picture that we've got on the screen right here in the middle of this passage, all right? but I want to read you some of it. So we're going to go to the text. This is an older brother passage, I believe. Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. You remember the lampstand represented the church. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Praise God for the older brothers. That's what they do. Right there. But the next line says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Now go back to that picture. So you got a picture of a couple little guys there, right? And there they are hugging on each other. You see an older brother there and a younger brother. There was a beautiful thing that happened during the children's story at first service. There were a couple little guys up here, an older brother and a younger brother. And the the younger brother was, was pretty young and pretty tottery. And so when the story was over, he was all the way up here on one of these higher steps. And so his older brother came down and took his hands and helped him down the stairs, and then took his hand and walked with him back to mom and dad. Oh, it was fabulous! But somewhere along the line, what happens to that first love? That brotherly love turns into sibling rivalry. And here you see how the older brother and younger brother were. Why did he not long to have him home? Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Remember, the church belongs to the older brothers. But Jesus says, if you can't find your love again, I will take it back from you. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. So so here's, here's where we end today. Older brothers, the church belongs to you. What are you going to do with it? Will you hold on tight to your club? Or will you use this church to accomplish the mission of Jesus? This is not an easy question because, frankly, you have a lot to lose. You worked hard to build this farm. Are you going to give some of it back to the younger brother who wasted his part? You don't have to. You can keep it exactly the way you want it. But would that honor the mission of Jesus? How much are you willing to surrender for a lost sheep? How much will you give up for a lost coin? How much will you lose for a prodigal son? Maybe a room for the night? Hey, yeah, glad you're alive. You can stay here night or two, you need to get your feet on the ground. You need to support yourself. None of this is yours. How about this? Yeah, I accept your terms. You can come back and be a servant, but you'll never be a son again. Or maybe you're feeling magnanimous. You can have a goat. Go over there and have a party with your... Crazy friends. Or are you willing to kill the sacred cow? I mean the fattened calf? There's a lot to lose. It really is up to you how much are you willing. surrender. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank You for the older brothers, because without the older brothers there would be no place for the lost sheep to be found, the lost coins to be discovered, and for the lost sons to come home. The older brothers have been faithful, Lord. But I pray for them today. Because of all the stories, probably the one in the most danger is the older brother, who represents the righteous ones who were angry with Jesus for spending time with sinners. Lord, this church is theirs. Give them the courage to use it to accomplish the purpose of Jesus. In His name, amen.